What's up gamers and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am Hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer. And you have just stepped into my captain's quarters, my weekly gaming update show where I talk about my favorite gaming news topic of the past week, discuss what games I've been playing, give tips on some of those games, as well as issue a weekly relevant gaming related decree. This week, it's all about some new information on Star Wars Jedi Survivor, so let's talk about it and dive right into the episode with my news catch of the week. Gamers, before we jump into the details of Star Wars Jedi Survivor, first, I just wanted to say that, believe it or not, this is actually the last episode of Captain's Quarters for the season, for the year of 2022. And 2022 has been my third season. Man, it has been a blast putting the show together for you guys for the last three years. If you've been with me for any of that, thank you for your time and for listening. And this is the last time I'll update you this year, this month. But doesn't mean I don't have an episode coming to you the following week on New Year's Eve. It's actually my annual look back at the year that was gaming in 2022. What were my favorite games of the year, the game of the year, my favorite controller of the year that I purchased and that was released because, you know, I'm the controller freak as I call myself. So many other things, how many games I played, the hours that I put into those games, just a lot of really cool reflective stuff in the world of gaming and me personally in that world over the course of this past year. So tune in next week, check out the episode, join me on this reflection of 2022 in gaming. And then the year that will be coming in 2023, the following week, I will have a look ahead at gaming in 2023 and what we can expect there. So a couple of really cool, fun, great episodes, hopefully for you guys to listen to in the coming weeks. But this is my last Captain's Quarters until three weeks from now. So for this week, to close out the year of 2022, I have some new information that I discovered online about Star Wars Jedi Survivor, the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order, the absolutely amazing game that came out just a few years ago at the end of the last console generation on the Xbox One X and the PS4. Now, if you don't know, gamers, I am a massive Star Wars fan. I am a lifelong Star Wars fan. I have just absolute obsession with the Star Wars lore and you know I've gone through heightened phases lower phases I, I go through ups and downs here or there depending on what all is going on in my life as well as what kind of new content is being produced in that universe of Star Wars now in the last decade or so there has absolutely been no lack of new content if you're a Star Wars fan. I mean, you can find something in any and every medium, whether it's books or comics or movies or TV shows. I mean, there's just constantly new stuff for Star Wars. I will say, though, in the realm of video games, it hasn't been on the level and not necessarily on the level per se, but definitely not really the kind of Star Wars game that I've just always really, really wanted. I loved Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2 back in the day, obviously, on the original Xbox. Love those games. They were RPGs. They were very wealthy with lore and deep into that rich Star Wars history. I love that. The stories and enemies and characters were amazing. 
the depth of the gameplay that was in that game. That kind of gameplay, or it doesn't have to be an RPG, but an action-adventure RPG, something like that, to really get into the meat and potatoes of what you can do in a Star Wars game if you really, as a developer, are allowed to explore that universe. And honestly, I don't know why it hasn't been exploited more often at this point. We got a lot of first-person shooters, a lot of space combat games and Episode One Racer and a lot of movie tie-ins, but nothing really struck home outside of those KOTOR games, in my opinion. Now, don't get me wrong, I like the Battlefront games. They were fun for what they were, but it really wasn't for me, at least, until Jedi Fallen Order, where it was like, wow. You know, and I, I was a big fan, too. Let me just put this out there, of The Force Unleashed and The Force Unleashed 2. I thoroughly enjoyed those games, but they were kind of ultimately said to not be canon eventually and just star killer and the character of him and what you did and just the way they over exaggerated the use of the force if you will it just didn't feel 100% natural to star wars so when it comes to jedi fallen order a few years ago man this looked like it was going to possibly be the game that i'd always wanted all these years just been waiting for it finally EA decided to get a development team together and put this game together. And man, I was not disappointed. I mean, it was one of my favorite games that year. It was right up there for game of the year for me. And it only lost out to Control, which was another phenomenal game. And if you haven't played that game, oh, please check that out. It was recently confirmed very much on the down low that there is a Control 2 in the works. Can't wait for that. Man, I love Remedy and what they're doing. Just, ooh, Alan Wake 2, Control 2, uh, Max Payne Remake. Mm, good time to be a gamer, guys. These next few years should be amazing. But back to that galaxy far, far away. I just absolutely love Fallen Order. It had an amazing story. It was canon. It is tied into the absolute 100% Star Wars lore thread. And the characters of Cal Kestis and his faithful droid BD-1, they were amazing. Instantly fell in love with these characters. The fact that you could customize your starship and customize BD-1 and even the look of Cal, the lightsabers. I mean, just every little minute detail, everything was there. It was amazing. The planets that you go to, some familiar, some brand new. The combat with lightsabers and just the force wielding. Everything was absolutely perfect. Well, we knew if you played through that first game that there was going to be a sequel at some point. And thankfully, the game was very successful, very well received both critically and commercially. So it kind of confirmed, yeah, we're going to get a sequel. So here we are years later, a lot of leaks and potential kind of wink, wink, nod, nods here or there. And we finally got our first look at the gameplay of it at the Game Awards just a few weeks ago. Man, I was not disappointed comes out in just a few short two and a half months and i just i can't believe that i'm saying that it was it's just two and a half months away gamers that is awesome well one thing that leaked online was a toy an action figure if you will that was kind of a tie-in to this game and obviously it's supposed to release around the launch of the game and it was of cal and packaged with cal was a blaster and it got a lot of speculation running rampant on the internet. Of course, rightfully so. Wait a minute. Why would Cal have a blaster? Is it just for the packaging purposes? Or is this indicative of the fact that there's going to be blaster gameplay, gunplay, combat integrated 
into the force-wielding and lightsaber combat. Well, just this past week, there was an interview that Game Informer did with the game's director, Jedi Survivor's director, that is, Stig Asmussen. And he actually did confirm that there is going to be blaster gameplay within Jedi Survivor. Now, the other big thing that he talked about, and we'll kind of get to the blaster piece of it here in just a sec, but the big takeaway probably that I got at least out of this conversation with Stig was the five different stances that are brand new to Jedi Survivor for lightsaber combat. So we'll get into that as well. If you didn't know, Jedi Survivor, just for perspective, it takes place five years after the end of Fallen Order. So we have had some time pass in between that very last shot that really was like, okay, they could definitely make a franchise out of this if they really wanted to. And to the beginning of this Jedi Survivor title. Now, I really want to discuss the lightsaber combat first. And really what's coming out of that that's really interesting to me are those five stances that Stig talked about. So what he said is basically the player, we're going to have the option to choose from five different stances. And each one of these stances, they're going to be more beneficial to use against a certain type of enemy over the other. So one enemy, enemy type A, will actually be more vulnerable to stance A than, say, enemy B, so on and so forth. I got to tell you, gamers... As soon as I was reading this, I am honestly thinking that this is going to play out a lot like Ghost of Tsushima. If you guys have never played that game, PlayStation exclusive on PS4 originally, came out on the PS5 with an upgrade. If you haven't played it, please play that game. It was my game of the year a couple years ago. Amazing experience. Bottom line, that game's combat is based around stances. And it's all, it's the exact same thing. Based on the enemy type that you're facing, it dictates what type of stance that Jin, the main character of the game, needs to be in. So I think that probably what has happened is the developer here has uh, Respawn, uh, mind you, is the name of the developer here on Jedi Survivor. They probably really liked what they saw and experienced in Ghost and said, wait a minute, Ghost, that, that's for a sword. Well, a lightsaber, it's a saber, it is a, it's wielded as if it's a sword. We could probably utilize that and make use of that style of gameplay and sword play, if you will, in Jedi Survivor. I think that's what happened. I'm not going to just sit there and say they're biters because, I mean, honestly, what is everything? Everything has been borrowed from something at some point in time. So I'm not going to sit there and say that. But I'm sure that Respawn is going to make it into their own. You know, it's going to be catered and themed around lightsaber specialities as well as force powers and other things. But at the base of it all, I think ultimately that's what we're going to get here is, hey, we come across this type of stormtrooper. They're actually better at using stance A. And if you're using stance B, you're going to have to switch because stance B is not going to get anywhere with these guys. So I think that's really what we're looking at. So it's still very interesting to me. There were three specific types of stances that Stig discussed in this interview. Those were dual blade, cross guard, and saber blaster combo. So when we look at the details of what each of these stances may mean, first up is dual blade. So essentially this has Cal wielding two separate lightsabers, one in each hand, and you know, it's very acrobatic and whatnot can twirl them around and do all kind of fancy moves with them 
and more than likely connect them together to create a dual-bladed lightsaber a la Darth Maul. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure you could do that. It's very similar to what you could do in Jedi Fallen Order, although it wasn't designated to a specific stance because obviously there were not stances in Fallen Order. So that's probably one that'll be used a lot by a lot of people. I personally, I did not really use, believe it or not, as much as I love Darth Maul, just within the gameplay context of Fallen Order, I didn't really use a whole lot of the dual-bladed lightsaber. I did use dual lightsabers. I did like having those two, one in each hand. That was definitely pretty nice. So that is one of the stances, is dual blades. Now, the cross-guard stance, that... Just think about Kylo Ren. And if you have been following Star Wars and the expanded universe, the High Republic, which is well before the Old Republic is set. So, I mean, way in the past as far as Star Wars lore is concerned. A lot of Jedi back in the High Republic, they did wield lightsabers using those hilts, having that cross guard like Kylo Ren from The Force Awakens and the sequel trilogy. Except Kylo, he made his a little bit different because... His hilt was exposed on either side, having the flames come out of the lightsaber. Bottom line, that is probably not going to be the case. Maybe the case. Maybe you can customize it because you can definitely do some deep customization to your lightsabers in Fallen Order. So I assume the same with added features will be the case in Jedi Survivor. So bottom line is Cross Guard is going to be wielding that hilted lightsaber and this is a pretty much a, a weighted beefier stance and you have that heavier slower hit that takes off a lot more damage it just takes you longer to get a hit off and maybe could potentially leave you vulnerable to an attack now the third and final that he went into specifics on stig that is is the saber blaster combo stance and really outside of being confirmed and the obvious ranged option here, as far as the blaster is concerned, Stig would not go into details about the gameplay revolving around the blaster. So yes, as we did get the confirmation that blaster gunplay is in the game, and it is a part of a stance, one of the five stances for lightsaber combat, we did not get any kind of details of how that's going to work. I mean, it's just, again, obvious that will be a ranged option. Uh, my theories as to what this maybe possibly could consist of is, you know, based on Stig saying that it's an unconventional way of dealing with situations, it's unconventional means for an unconventional Jedi in which Cal is, I'm thinking probably we're talking one hand is wielding the lightsaber and you can fire the blaster with the other. Maybe, you know, kind of run at an enemy charging in at it, firing, and then when you get close, you start swinging the lightsaber on them. Or maybe it's just completely separate as far as the blaster from the lightsaber. But it's the stance that is selected. You can actually quickly alternate between using the two's usage priority. So say you're full-on shooting with the blaster, right? And with a quick button press, it gets you to your lightsaber. Possibly to deflect some incoming bolts from other enemies or enemies themselves that creep up on you from behind or the side because... I don't know about you guys, if you played Fallen Order, but that happened to me quite often. Uh, uh, enemies coming from outside of the camera screen and uh, that. Mm. But either way, uh, we have no exact specifics as to what that will entail, but I'm sure it's probably along those same lines. Either way, this sounds like a lot of fun and a nice evolution, in my opinion, for the combat of the series from what we had in Fallen Order. I mean, I think about it and it's like, well, in my own personal 
thoughts here over the last few years, you know, you kind of think like, well, they did it so good in the first game. What would they be able to do to add to it, to make something fresh and new and spice it up a little bit? I mean, honestly, stances. That really adds a different level of strategy to the gameplay. And it's not just going to feel, at least I hope it doesn't feel, I don't think it will, like a retread or rehash of what we already did for, at least in my case, many hours and Jedi Fallen Order. So hopefully we'll continue to have more information trickle out over the next two and a half months until Jedi Survivor's release on March 17th, 2023. And again, gamers, it is so amazing that it is that close. Now let's open up my captain's log and see what games I've been playing. Gamers, this past week, I played one game and one game only that had my 100% focus, and it was an amazing time. And that game was God of War Ragnarok. Gamers, if you've been keeping up with my progress in God of War Ragnarok, you will know that I last left you last week back in Vanaheim where I was progressing the story, the main story. And right now, this past week, I was able to put another 11 hours into the game. That's 64 hours total that I've dropped into Ragnarok. And I am officially on chapter 14 out of 18 in that main story. But if you're a gamer like me, then you'll know that that really means nothing as to how close you actually are to finishing the game because I always do side content as it approaches me throughout the course of my play. So I'm not going to move on to chapter 15 until I've done all the side stuff that's come up after I've completed chapter 14, so on and so forth. So even though I'm on chapter 14 and I feel it, gamers, I just I feel the way the story is going, the number of 14 to 18, how close I am. It's like, man, I am right there. I'm closing in on the climax of this game. But at the same time, I feel so far away because of moments like these past 11 hours. And it was an amazing 11 hours. Let me just stress that. That's all caps, amazing 11 hours. And even though I was back in Vanaheim and I started out progressing the main story, there was an amazing series of events that, man, sparing details in the interest of spoilers, I have to do that. I have to respect you gamers out there that haven't played up to the same point that I have. Man, there was just so many amazing things that happened in the course of that first hour of the 11 that I played. And let me just clarify, that first hour is the only hour I spent doing any kind of main story progression. But during that hour, there was an absolutely epic boss fight that I loved and is easily my favorite boss fight of the game so far. And after that, there was just uh, there was just so much more great heart-thumping cutscenes and action that culminated in this really cool dragon attack that kind of spiraled out of control and set the tone for a lot of other things that were coming here in my near future. But eventually, the dust settles on that main story, and we get to the typical, oh, okay, it's time to go back to Sendries and progress the main story some more, or... You can stay here and explore new areas in this amazing realm of Vanaheim. Well, gamers, if you've listened to me for a while, you know, and as I just said, I'm not going back to Sendries right now. <laughs> I got plenty of stuff to do apparently right now in Vanaheim. So me 
Kratos, Atreus, we are staying right here. And Mimir, can't forget Mimir. And uh, let me just say that over the course of the next 10 hours that I played, they were all spent in Vanaheim on a brand new area that I had now unlocked at this point in the game. It is a massive new area known as the Crater. And let me just tell you, this is arguably... I mean, Vanaheim, I can just tell you right now, it is by far, hands down, no questions asked, it's my favorite realm in the entire game. And the crater has just accentuated that feeling and really solidified that feeling for me, to be honest with you. And the crater is not just one location. It is actually one massive area with three sub-locations that are also pretty big themselves. And they consist of the plains, the sinkholes, and the jungle. Now, I'm not going to go into every single little detail of every little thing that I did as I explored and went through these areas. But again, I just want to reiterate and to make sure that you gamers understand, this is a 100%, 100% side content, favors as they're called within the game. It, that's just all it is. It's pure side content. And it's just been absolutely amazing. Like for me, mouth frothing amazing like that's how much i have absolutely enjoyed my time exploring the crater and being in the realm of anaheim there are just the amazing exploration of the world i love the game design i love the game design and these god of war games from 2018 and now ragnarok this is just absolutely phenomenal game design and it makes exploring these newer areas that much more fun i mean there's constantly something to do, collectibles and new puzzles to figure out. And constantly, I talked about the favors. The amount of favors in this realm is just off the charts. Every time I turned a corner, I felt like I was picking up a new favor. I mean, there's periods of time throughout the course of this that you're fighting dragons and drakes. And I got a brand new armor set that's the dragon scale armor, my favorite in the game so far. There's also this really cool area called the Cleansing Pond that as you're exploring Vanaheim, there's these orange crystals that emanate and radiate this kind of goldish light out of it. But you can break them and they have different crystal shards that you can then throw into the Cleansing Pond. And it gives you so much cool loot. Oh my God, I have so much hack silver right now that I am never going to know what to do with. And it's amazing. <laughs> and it's not just hack silver that you get, but so many other cool crafting materials and other items that I won't spoil Oh, I also got my last two Cavassier poems as I was finishing up my exploration here in Vanaheim. The first of which, ironically, is a tie-in a little bit to what I was talking about earlier in Ghost of Tsushima. Because if you have listened before or seen me on Instagram, my posts, you will know that the Cavassier poems I'm referring to, they are basically poems that are written about PlayStation-exclusive franchise uh, games that have released over the years. And the covers of these books that you find have a really cool design, most of them that are related, obviously, to the content of the game, whether it's a character or characters or just a design that's reminiscent of the game. I absolutely love them. Favorite collectibles in this game by far. And I just, I love that, that PlayStation Studios games always pay homage to each other by calling out other PlayStation Studios exclusives in their own games. So here we are. I had the final two to get, and I got them. And the first one that I found of those two was the one for Ghost of Tsushima. Ah, it was awesome. For all the reasons I had stated earlier, I love Ghost of Tsushima. 
The second one, I'm actually going to leave as a surprise because I don't want to spoil the surprise and probably the what, really? For my best friend over at Graveyard Gamer Podcast, the Graveyard Gamer himself, Logan Phoenix. Check out his show if you have not yet. If you like my show, you'll like his. I promise you that. I know he's a little bit further behind than me in the game, so he hasn't gotten to that point yet. I don't want to spoil the surprise of what that other one is. But man, these poems are a lot of fun to go after. Now, I will say, I did take down another Berserker in this area, and he was really getting on my nerves. In the end, though, I was victorious. I, I just, I don't know what my problem was. I, and I realized, actually, I did know what my problem was, and I, I realized it as I was fighting and losing to this guy. I could not get my timing down for some reason when it came to the parrying during this fight. I don't know what it is. I, nine times out of ten, I'm pretty good and spot on when it comes to parrying or doing the shield bash to interrupt an attack when the blue icons pop up. For I, just, I don't know what it was. I could not nail down the timing on this guy. And because of it, man, he was jacking me up. Well, eventually I was able to connect the dots all in one go to to finally be victorious and defeat this berserker so i've only gotten three out of the 12 that i've taken out now but either way i am very happy that i took him out and you know i did not get my goal completed that i wanted to do in vanaheim and for this play session before this recording which was to 100 percent be able to look in the map and see 100 percent completion for the realm of vanaheim I am very close, though. I am at 92%, and I have just gotten to the final, I would say, area that I think is pretty much where that final 8% is that I need to mop up. I just did not have enough time. I mean, 10 hours, I was going through Vanaheim and doing these areas in the crater, and I still probably am looking at another couple hours before I 100% mop up the entirety of that realm. Uh, but in all that amazingness this past week, Justin got a war in 11 hours. Out of all that, though, what was my highlight of the week? Gamers, this past week, it really wasn't just one specific moment or thing that is my highlight. It was exploring Vanaheim and the realm of Vanaheim as a whole. It is just this amazing realm to be in. You know, when you first get there, it is already awesome because I'm thinking as I first got there and you're going through with Freya and Kratos and I'm like, okay, cool. It's the jungle looking level that I had seen in the commercials and trailers. All right, cool. This is awesome. I'm loving this. Like, this is great. And then you see everything go from night to day and you experience it in a completely different way. And then there's the amazing side content that you do with Freya. I mean, just in general, that was all earlier in the game. Well, you obviously come back to Vanaheim, and now I'm there with Treyas, and there's just so much more that's gone on story-wise. And then you get into the just absolute hefty meat and potatoes of what is there for you in the crater. Oh, man. There is just an amazing story and lore and history in the realm of Vanaheim as well. And I just loved how rich and deep that it was. Because, you know, if you played the game, as you're walking around these realms and these environments, a lot of times either Atreus or Kratos will ask Mimir questions about the environment of the realm that they're in. And sometimes Mimir just offers up, you know, general knowledge of the area. And it's always extremely interesting to me. And it just really 
helped paint this backdrop to what this realm was and what it used to be. And it was kind of sad to realize what was before and find out as you progress through the realm and really through the crater what happened to the realm and why it was in the state that it's in when you get there. And then just what you want to do to preserve it going forward and how you can have a hand in that. Oh man, it, it was just, it's just awesome. Another thing I loved about it is you get to a point where I'm not going to say exactly how, again, in the interest of spoilers, but let's just say, bottom line, you have control of whether you want to explore at nighttime or during the daytime. And based on the time of day, there are certain areas accessible or inaccessible to you based on that moon or sun. So I love that. I love the fact that you already out the gate start out at a essentially almost like a double area in one. Like it's a two for one deal, if you will, because it's the same area, but you're only getting half of the area during the daytime. You have to switch to nighttime and it's a completely different vibe. It just feels different. It sounds different with the crickets and the birds and the different things that are going around in the area and the environment. You have different enemy types that you fight that come out at night or that come out at during day. There is just different quests that pop up, different things available. It's one of those things. Ah, oh, it's just, ah, oh, I love it. And it's not just about switching between day and night. No, there is a third element that affects what you can and can't do and where you can and can't go in this same realm, in the crater. It's insane. There are three levels, three in one, essentially, in this area. And I, I just, I, I, I'm not going to go into the details again, but it's just, ah. Oh, it was amazing. I, just as soon as I thought there, okay, all right, this is where, no, wow, there's more. And then, okay, all right, now, no, there, there's still more. And then, no, I, wow, okay, all right, Sony Santa Monica, I got you. I see what, I see you. <laughs> so, there, and there's just so much fun stuff to do in Vanaheim. Dragon hunts, epic hunts, casualties of war favors, seasonal stags. I'm not going to go into the details of what any of that means, but you'll see when you get there and enjoy it, hopefully, at least half as much as I have. And it's not just all of these things, but just the richness of the realm's environments and how different they are from one another, but also how they connect to each other. Like I said, you have the plains, the sinkholes, the jungle, and then there's all the other pieces of Vanaheim that you had seen earlier in the game. It's just amazing what Santa Monica has done with that realm. And then ultimately to top it off, the wildlife that resides within this realm and all the different places. I couldn't help but stop. I think, ah, oh, I'm so thankful that photo mode released for this game because thanks to it, I've been able to actually zoom in and get the kind of shots that I wanted to get back in Svartfelheim all those hours ago at the beginning of the game before the photo mode released of the amazing creature design of the different just random creatures that live in the environments and the realms that you go to that Sony Santa Monica, I'm sure, put a lot of thought and time into creating and putting in the world. And there are just some amazing, unique creature designs all throughout my exploration of Vanaheim. And I just put out a post about all the different ones that I've come across that I wanted to share with you. Had a nice little slide of nine different creature types. And I'm sure there's more that I didn't get or more that I will get after that. But that's my point is just the variety and the differentiation and just little things like that that added to the immersion level of drawing me in to that realm of Vanaheim. Now let's go see and open up a buried treasure gaming chest with some tips for God of War Ragnarok. 
Gamers, this week when I was trying to figure out what it was that I wanted to put in that buried treasure gaming tips chest for you, it really came down to a suggestion that I have for you. Not a specific tip per se, but it is a suggestion on how I would recommend you go about exploring Vanaheim and more specifically the crater and the plains, the jungle, the sinkholes. And as I stated, you can alternate between night and day. And there's so much differentiation between night and day. And then there's that third factor I talked about as well that you'll see once you get there. Now, all of those things wrapped up into one big bundle. Woo, like I said, 10 hours, I'm still not done. Point being, if you want to save yourself some time, in my opinion, alternating between night and day, you know, there's a certain location that you're able to do this in at multiple different locations all throughout the map. You can do this. So you unlock different ones as you explore. Well, my recommendation, you first get there to the crater. It's daytime. No matter how you play, who you play, it's, it's going to be daytime when you get there. My recommendation, do everything you possibly can during daytime. Then switch over to nighttime. Once you realize, okay, I can't do anything else. All these areas, they're inaccessible unless I switch over to night. Then at that point, switch over to night. Do everything possible at night. And then at that point, if you still see something that in a newer area you didn't get to earlier that you have to switch back today, then maybe do day again. But I would say the third factor for last and just have that be, okay, this is all I have left to do is explore what I couldn't because of this third factor. Outside of that, because I, I think that going back and forth, back and forth, every time you find an area where you can change day or night, I think that would be, at least to me, get a little confusing after a while. And plus, I think it would kind of take away from the momentum of the environment that you're exploring in and kind of take away from what you're experiencing on the day side as opposed to the night side and vice versa. So that's my recommendation. Do it one at a time. Start day side, do everything you possibly can day side, then switch to night side, rinse and repeat. And then when it's all said and done with and all you got left is that third factor, then finish it up with whatever's left based around that third factor. Now let's go check out this week's Captain's Decree. Gamers, in this week's Captain's Decree, it is also my final Captain's Decree of the year for 2022. So it's kind of a big one, to be honest with you. To make this kind of proclamation, I was like, wow, you know, I think that after this amazingness that I've been experiencing in God of War Ragnarok, I, I really think I'm there at this point in my gaming career. And this week's Captain's Decree, and it may even be a decree for the year, is this. My favorite style of game is now Metroidvania. And the reason I say that, it very much coincides with a lot of what's going on in this week's episode between Star Wars, Jedi, Fallen Order, as well as what we'll get to see in Survivor, and then especially God of War, Ragnarok, and its preceding title, the 2018 God of War. Now, all these games mentioned... They are all a Metroidvania style of game. So if you don't know what that means, what does that mean? You go into an area, you have only certain areas that you can go or directions you can go and things you can access at the initial point of entry into that area. You progress further into the game, you gain new abilities that then you can go back to those areas and unlock previously inaccessible locations. Now, on top of that, you have a sort of an RPG system where you're leveling up your character and gear and weapons and things like that. 
So that's also a part of it. But I just, I am absolutely, every second that I have a controller in my hand playing God of War, I am just in, in pure bliss, pure gaming bliss. And it's because I've, I've just, it just hit me this afternoon for whatever reason. I'm like, you know what? I'm pretty sure that, that is, that has got to be, that's it. My favorite style of game anymore right now is Metroidvania. And the reason I say right now is because there was a time when it was action adventure like Tomb Raider, or there's times where it's survival horror, or there's times where it has been just straight up RPG, JRPG. Well, right now I can tell you it is very much the Metroidvania style is what I am absolutely in love with. And, you know, it just, it gives us, for me, it just gives a great sense of progression in a game when you have that style of gameplay, that forward movement. And it, it's just, plus it's actually kind of nice to go back in my opinion, especially in like God of War Ragnarok and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Can't speak for Survivor yet, but I assume it'll be the same. But it's just nice to go back to previously visited areas or planets or realms and discover completely new areas and experiences and enemy types and puzzles and abilities. And it's just this constant, amazing feeling of wonder and excitement and newness and freshness. And I love that about that style of gameplay. And it makes perfect sense. I mean, the director of God of War Ragnarok says he owes a lot to the game's design based on influences he had from Castlevania. He took a lot of inspiration from Castlevania, he, sta he stated. And I can 100% see that in the gameplay and believe that. And that is where I stand, gamers. At the end of 2022, my favorite style of game is Metroidvania. That'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. You can join its crew by reaching out to me via email at lostatseagaming365 at gmail.com, as well as search for Hulking Yoda on the Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo Switch networks. You can also find me on social media on Instagram at lostatseagaming, as well as on Twitter at lostatseagamin, the number one. Thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing.